are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. You have your Bible, turn to the book of James, please. The book of James, chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. And entice. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. Now turn in your Bible, please, to the book of Romans. I do not know, and I did not know this morning when I turned to the book of Romans. I read in the Old Testament every day. But I'm hungry for things in the New Testament, especially some of the Gospels and some of the letters. And so I turned to the book of Romans, and I had not read the sixth chapter as of this year. Therefore, I read Romans chapter 6, and it happened to be the text for the night and for this message tonight. So let's read at least a portion of it again. It has a good deal to say about sin. He said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He just closed out the fifth chapter saying that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. They said, you think maybe we ought to sin a whole lot so grace can be a whole lot. I mean, the more we sin, the more grace we get. They tried to figure it out. He said, uh, God forbid. By no means, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? I believe a man saved by grace, he ought not to live in disgrace. I've never known anybody could consistently live uh, a pure, clean life that hadn't been saved by grace. I've got a public announcement I'd like to make tonight, and that is... I never was alive until I got saved by grace. I mean, I was dead in trespasses and sin. Wasn't in need of dead man trying to work his way to heaven. He can't do anything. Can't see, can't walk, he can't talk. And so he said, no, you're not. That so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. And you'd say, Brother Olaf, you mean that? That's what the Bible said. I mean, I just got through reading. I don't know why you want to argue about it. Bible said, by one spirit were all you baptized into Christ. And so it's a spiritual baptism. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus said, you got to be born of the spirit. You've been born of the flesh, and, and that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And he said, if you was born a hundred times physically, just be a hundred lost Nicodemuses. You've got to be born again. 
You've got to have, be born the word of nothing means from above. And so in this chapter, he's talking about sin. And if we've been baptized into Jesus Christ, we were baptized into his death. Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, verse 12 is one of our texts. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. That's for Christians. No need talking to sinners. That's the reason. I never go out and say to a drunkard, listen, you've got to give up that liquor bottle in order to go to heaven. I don't tell him that. I never go out to see a cigarette smoker and say, look here, you want to go to heaven? Let's talk about those cigarettes. No, sir. I'd say, why don't you give those cigarettes up? Why don't you give them up? Why don't you give that liquor bottle up? Now, don't misunderstand me, dear friends. I mean, uh, you'd have to weigh more than 147 pounds to hate uh, liquor and cigarettes more than I do. I, I really do. But let me tell you something. I got better sense than tell a dead man to give something up. He can't give nothing up. And then no need us beating around the bush about it. We've got to get Jesus in his heart and get him alive before he can do anything. And you're not going to get me to put the cart before the horse in this meeting. I'm not going to preach salvation by works, but salvation by grace through faith plus nothing. And I don't work in order to be my wife's husband. I work because I am her husband. I don't work in order to go to heaven. I work because I am going to heaven. And brother, any time you uh, uh, have given your heart over to the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been made a new creature in him. Now then, he said, likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead, and let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. That's the reason I can't dance with my feet. That's the reason I can't put these arms around somebody else's wife on the dance hall floor while they play a bunch of filth and me skating around out there hugging somebody standing up. You're not kidding me one bit, buddy. That's sin. Oh, I know a lot of you little self-righteous liars. You'd say, well, I never think an evil thought when I'm hugging somebody's wife. You lie and you know you lie. Blind as a bat backing up. You're not kidding anybody. The dance has always been of the devil ever since it's been the people have been dancing. It's always been. You always got a liquor bottle. You always got immorality. And you always got sin. You always got broken homes. And you always got uh, just uh, disappointment and heartaches connected with it. And let me tell you something. If there's a preacher listening to my voice in radio land or under this tent that doesn't take a good firm stand against the modern dance today, as far as I'm concerned, you're of the devil yourself. Amen. Oh, you'd say, Brother Olaf, we believe in chaperoning the dance. We believe in, yeah, that's right. You chaperone the hell, too. As far as I'm concerned, I've never known in my life, in 36 years of preaching, a spirit-filled preacher didn't take a stand against immorality and sin and dancing is a part of it. 
laugh about it, say it's cheap preaching, criticize it, do all you want to do. But brother, I tell you, I believe God's people ought not to yield their members as instruments of unrighteousness. And that means your hands, your arms. That's the reason I couldn't take these hands and deal a deck of cards. I have in time past, but not after I got right with God, I didn't. I'd never allow a deck of cards in my home, a paradise in my home, a rock and roll record in my home. Why? They're the devil, that's why. You had it in a spiritual life, you wouldn't ask such a silly question. Amen? You'd say, you're stirring me up. That's what I'm trying to do. I tell you, it's time for God's people to get some conviction about sin. Until we do, we'll never have revival. Until we have revival, we'll never get soul saved. There's not much line of demarcation between the church and the world today. And it was a sad day, I say, when the devil put the world in the church. It was a glad day and a precious day, I believe, when Jesus put the church in the world. But notice he said, and in this chapter you'll find sin, 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 sin. Neither use your instruments as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. For sin, verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether it's sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin. And brother, that's a tremendous verse, isn't it? Free from sin. Oh, listen, let's go on. I haven't found my text yet. It's in this chapter, though. Verse 20, For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from the righteousness. In other words, when you were servants of the devil, you didn't have anything right about you. That word righteousness, you can't be right without righteousness. Brother, uh, you, you've got to have, uh, you've got to have righteousness from Christ before you can be right in the sight of God and in the sight of your fellow man. I could never be right with my fellow man if I wasn't right with God. They came to Jesus one day and said, what's the great commandment? He said, love. He said, what's the next one? He said, love. That's right. I can't love. How could I love my neighbors myself if I really didn't have the righteousness of Christ? I've got to have his love. And so he said, what fruit had ye then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages, now we got to our text. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. My, what a tremendous verse. The wages of sin is death. I was thinking today, as I prayed about the service, the Bible said the wicked should be turned into hell in all the nations that forget God. All you got to figure out is whether America has forgotten God or not. He said the wicked should be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Now, has, has our nation forgotten God? Has Dallas forgotten God? You know, I've always looked on Dallas as the county seat of Texas. I mean, Dallas is the hub of Texas. Dallas and Fort Worth, teeming millions, actually, of people all over this country, within shooting distance of Dallas almost, and yet Dallas is in the throes of sin. 
I mean, if you go, if you go through these hippie parks, I believe it's the most discouraging sight you could ever see. Shaggy, dirty, filthy, no ambition, no desire to make a living. I mean, and there they go. I talked to a man, two probation officers brought a man to the, uh, a young man to the broadcast today, and I, 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 I didn't know really what he was. I, I asked him, I said, what, it, what is it? I mean, I had to ask. I didn't know. I said, what are you, uh, son or daughter? I said, I'm son. Well, I said, I couldn't tell. Excuse me, because you sure do have a lot of hair down on your shoulders. He said, it takes a man to grow that. I said, no, any little old sister grow that. <laughs> That's right. I tell you, you think that bunch of smart Ellie. I tell you what, if you, if you think I don't know what I'm talking about, I'm going to preach Monday night on this subject when God hung a hippie. That'll be a new one, but I'll guarantee you, brother, it's in the Bible. And I'll guarantee that hippie that God hung that day, and I mean he killed him, see? When he hung that hippie, that hippie was a rebel. Did you know that? You just put it down, and I tell you, I don't want any sissies around here either. Yeah, I want you to come, because as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to bring the biggest stick I've got. I believe it's time for God's people to make up their mind and quit being run over by a bunch of the devil's crowd, and God's people ought to clean up and live like Christian people, live like... And I have no little access to grind during this meeting except to get Jesus Christ in the hearts of our people. And I believe that liquor drinking and cigarette smoking and cursing and profiling uh, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that it's sin in anybody's life. Doesn't make a difference who it is. And we've got to get America born again or she's going to have to go to hell. Bible said the wicked shall be turned. Bible said righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I tell my people in the jail, I preach to three kinds in the jail every time I go. I preach to Latins, colored, and white. Latins, colored, and white, all three of them. And yet, the same blood that makes the white man's black heart white will make the black man's black heart white. Same one. We've got something that'll solve every problem in this world if we believe it and live like we believe it. I'm ashamed at the catastrophe and the tragedies that we've got. The saddest day this world ever saw was when Eve bowed to Satan. That started every bit of the trouble. That dug every grave, built every hospital. You know, we ride along out here, and we saw this big psychopathic or psychiatrist deal, you know. And somebody told me, now you get a load of this. Somebody told me today that most of the people in that psych psychiatric hospital are young people. Now, brother, that shakes me up. That's hard for me to believe that our kids are going crazy, but I'm not surprised. Look what they're trying to live on. You mothers and daddies let them watch a television set hour after hour. That's running them crazy. That's what the head of all the psychiatrists said the other day in the public convention. He said, we're just now reaping one generation, the first generation of television watchers. 
and said their minds are gone. There the kids are, little old bitty kids smoking cigarettes, taking tranquilizers, sleeping on sleeping pills and dope and filth. Brother, I tell you, 36, 40 years ago, down on the farm across this country, we didn't have any crazy young people. You mothers and daddies have let them bring the rock and roll records in and you've let them bring the filth in and you put the newspapers in. You've let them read nasty magazines and now then we've got a generation of crazy young people on our hands. And to the tune of mighty expense too. You don't go to a psychiatrist for nothing. You may not get anything, but you'll pay him something. And I'll have plenty to say about that next week on my soul, mind, and body. One night, I'd like to spend an hour on what are we going to do for the total man. I mean, does Jesus have any hope for a man's body today? We're going to have to try to stay out of the hospital because there's not room for us now. We've got to stay out of psychiatrist's ward and the psychiatrist's ward, it's full too. Is there any hope for a Christian? Can we be any different from anybody else? Am I going to have to die a dope head like everybody else? I tell you, I'm going, to, I'm going to say some things that ought to be said. I get sick and tired of trying to comfort people that come to a funeral so full of dope they can't hear what I'm saying. I don't care whether you like it or not. I love you just the same, but I'm sick and tired of God's people saying, well, he went into shop and he had to go to the drugstore. You go into shop, go to Jesus. Well, it was just such a shock. You know, one of the loved ones fell dead or fell out of an airplane. Why, man, listen, the grace of God be sufficient for you. I'm tired of running off to the world. I'd rather die tonight, fall, fall dead on my face, than to run off to the world to get my comfort. My Bible said it's a sorry thing to go down to Egypt to try to get help. And far as I'm concerned, it's time for God's people to prove that Jesus Christ is just as able today as he ever was. We'll never convince the world that Jesus is able unless they can see he's able to do what we need done to our own life. Sin, the wages of sin is death. Now then, let me show you what I told some of the boys. We had 50, 60 boys on probation yesterday. 16 of them came after the service and fell on their knees. Some of them wept. I heard them praying all around me. Somebody said to the worst boys in town, this need Jesus. I tell you, it'd be interesting if you want to make an experiment. You, get, you go get the home addresses of 60 boys and then go in the home and ask Ma and Paul how many of them had a family offer. Ask, ask those little old boys how many mother and dad ever prayed with them, read the Bible to them every day, and memorized chapter after chapter the Word of God. Week from tomorrow night, there'll be a little boy here of three years of age. He'll quote chapter after chapter the Word of God. He just didn't do that in his sleep or playing in the sand pile. He was over in, the, in God's rock pile, see, when he got that. Mothers and daddies don't spend any time. Susanna Wesley had 19 children. She spent time with every one of them, each individually, every week that rolled around. She taught them, 19 of them. She had time to tutor them. No wonder Charles Wesley came out riding his saddle upon and singing the gospel, writing hymn. No wonder John Wesley came out preaching holiness and preaching that Jesus Christ could save the animal. No wonder John Wesley believed. He believed in miracles. Riding his old horse along one day, you know, old horse swelled up, nearly busted the saddle girt, and he loosened the girt, and the old horse fell down, heaving and blowing and trying to live, and he just went up to the front of the old horse and laid his hands on his head and said, Lord, heal my horse. And the old horse got healed, jumped up, tightened the saddle girt, went on down the road. 
John Wesley said, I wouldn't trust that God couldn't heal a horse. Because we don't believe in that anymore. I mean, he'd just go call the veterinarian. There wasn't no veterinarian to call. Just called on Jesus, the great physician, told him to heal the heart, and he did. The wages of sin. Let me name some of the sins. I'm going to name three sins and show you that every one of them will kill you. Every one of them will kill you. I guarantee you, if you're living in sin tonight, it's going to kill you. You're going to, I'm talking about it'll kill you physically, it'll kill you mentally, it'll kill you spiritually. I mean, the wages of sin is death. And you don't hardly ever go to work for anybody but what you say, what's going to be my wages? I want to know my wages. I mean, that's just one of the questions. You, you'd say, well, I, I just, I'm just not going to go to work till you tell me what you're going to give me. All right? Let's figure out the wages tonight. Uh, the wages of sin is death. You'd raise the question, what about cigarettes, Brother Olaf? Advertise, glamorize. What about cigarettes? Do you think it's a sin? No, sir. I know it's a sin. All right, now if it's sin, it's got to kill. If anything sin, it's got to kill. Jesus said, if you have hatred in your heart, you're a murderer. Jesus said, if you see a woman come by and uh, you look on her to lust after her, you've committed adultery already in your heart. Actually, I could never let a television set be in my home because I know there's too many filth, too much filthy scenes on it. That's the reason I don't want to see a, a bunch of nasty pictures because it's too suggestive to vulgarity. That's the reason I say you women ought to put on clothes and you girls ought to put on clothes because you make somebody lust and you're, you're guilty of making somebody commit adultery. Jesus said in your heart, all right? Now then, you'd say, Brother Olaf, what would cigarettes do to you to kill you? Doctors have said it'll cause cancer of the lungs, the larynx, and the throat. I've got a friend not too many miles from here. He smoked all of his life. His talking days are over. He'll never say another word. They cut out his voice box. Oh, he may write a note. Sure, he may write a note. But he can't ever speak again. Cancer. Cancer. Now, the wages of sin is death. Now, there's one thing I know that Jesus is able to do. He'll set every one of you free from your cigarettes if you just ask him to. Now, don't come up here and say, now, Brother Olaf, I, I want you to pray with me about my tobacco. I don't pray about tobacco. You throw it down, then I'll pray with you. You say, can't you pray over it? No, I can't pray over anything dirty as that is. Now, you, you'll never have a great spiritual witness. You'd say, well, Brother Olaf, I, I know a preacher smokes cigarettes. I know one's got cancer, too. You women sit out there. Can you imagine... Our girls come in, and uh, I, a little girl called me yesterday and said, Brother Olaf, I'm in trouble, and I, I need to come to your home. And I said, now, all right, uh, what about your cigarettes? Well, she said, I smoke. I said, your smoking days are coming to a close real quick. I said, you won't smoke. I said, do you realize you're building a baby? Do you realize that you're growing a little baby for somebody else, and you have no right to bring a little baby. I went to old Dr. Dunstan one day down in Houston. And he said, Brother Olaf, and this has been years ago. He said, do you know I'm writing more prescriptions for coughing babies than I've ever written in my life? I said, Dr. Dunstan, uh, what does that mean? I know nothing. He said, a cigarette smoking mother. Can you imagine a mother smoking a cigarette and making her little baby cough when he's first born? Now, mothers, I'm not fussing at you. You're just too great and too fine and too sweet and everything else to smoke a cigarette. I believe you don't want to smoke, and you ought not. You don't want to die and leave your little children. 
I'd never put a baby in a home where they smoked a cigarette, whether it's a man or a woman. Never. Not in my life. I never would do it. And so I just believe that it's time for God's people to get some conviction about the killer. The wages of sin is death. And I've got good news for you. But the gift of God is eternal life. That means deliverance right there. I'm glad that though we may preach against sin, we've got the remedy for sin. And Jesus will forgive you. All right? Let's leave that. Just remember this. When this service is over and you want to be delivered from cigarettes, you just call on the Lord. The Bible said, whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be delivered. I believe that verse. And so uh, just call on him and unload your cigarettes. Come down here and pile them down. Throw them down. Get rid of them. And uh, let the Lord deliver you because it's going to kill you. All right, number two. What about liquor drinking? I'm, I'm amazed that America is so liquor soaked tonight. I just cannot imagine. I mean, I cannot imagine America being as liquor soaked and as bold as she is now. Lights, women, I mean, the liquor stores are glamorized, advertised, and people going in. I saw them today going in the liquor store, driving down the street. They were bringing it out by the case. I mean, big boxes full of it. People are buying cases of beer because they're fixing to go on their fishing trip. I don't understand why people have to take beer and liquor for them when they go fishing. I mean, you haven't got as much sense as a fish. I'll guarantee you, you you'd, you'd never get fish to swim in a liquor barrel. You'd say, well, Brother Olaf, do you think it'll kill me? I know it'll kill you. The wages of sin is death and drinking liquor is sin. Any amount is sin. One drop of it is sin. The word alcohol comes from the word algul, A-L-G-H-O-U-L, which literally means the devil. That's the reason people act like the devil when they get to drinking, because they're full of the devil. The more liquor you drink, the fuller the devil you get. It's a killer. It's caused more. Listen, I, we've got a dear friend. They said many times, Brother Wolf, please pray for our daughter. Oh, she's living with a drunkard, and she wants to stay with him, and she wants... And finally... The sheriff called him up. Sheriff called him up. Two little children are left orphaned, he said. The most terrible murder I've ever known in my life. Her body was splattered on every wall in her house by her drunkard husband. Oh, I know he's in the penitentiary today, but still, she's dead and little children are orphans and grandmother and granddad taking care of two little children. We, we were crazy. We were crazy when we licensed and legalized liquor. There's never been a time in American history when a liquor traffic was as deadly and as damnable. Listen, I heard on my radio going across this town where the safety commission said that 50% of the wrecks on the highway are now liquor soaked. And yet you think we're thinking about kicking it out, driving it back to the devil in hell where it belongs? You've heard people say, well, liquor's all right in its place. Its place is hell. It came from the devil. Let him have it and take it home with him. And the thing that grieves me, we've got a bunch of loop-legged Casper milk toast preachers that have quit preaching against this kind of sin. And we've come to the place where we cannot win an election anymore. And to me, you'd say, well, Brother Law, you can't legislate righteousness. I agree, but I tell you what, you can legislate conditions conducive to life righteousness. Now, I tell you what, I'm going to have a bunch of things to answer for because everything that I've ever done wrong is under the blood right now. I saw to that today and every day. I just put every mistake, every sin I've ever committed right down under the blood and say, Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for forgiving me. But I tell you one thing, there's one thing I'll never have to answer for, and that's voting a wet ticket. Yeah. 
And that's staying away from the pole when I had an opportunity to scratch the old smutty face. I, I don't understand what you think you're made out of when you haven't taken a stand against anything as terrible as liquor. Now then, you'd say, what's the sin? What's the disease that goes with it? Cirrhosis of the liver. Cirrhosis of emphysema. I tell you, we didn't have any emphysema back then many years ago. Now then, it's the new disease, along with hepatitis of the liver, cancer, emphysema. Emphysema, as I said the other night, is just drowning in your own filth. That's all it is. That's exactly what emphysema is. You just get so full of filth, cigarettes, liquor, and everything else, and the old liver quits functioning, and they say it's cirrhosis of the liver. It'll kill you. It'll kill you. Besides, it's habit-forming, and it's a drug, it's a narcotic, it's a depressant, and uh, it'll, it'll cause your ability to go down while your confidence goes up. Uh, and it's sin. The wages of sin is death. Let's tackle another sin. I'm mentioning just three tonight. Could mention many. I'm going to mention the end time sin. It's the most popular sin in America. It's the most, it's the most rapid growing and spreading sin. This is the malignancy of the hour. This is the one thing, dear friend, that, uh, that, that announces out loud and sounds out the trumpet, Jesus is coming soon. This is the one sin. This is the last sin that will be committed. And this is the way the world's going to be just before Jesus comes. That's homosexuality. I never heard of it. I wouldn't have known what it was all about when I was a kid. I was grown. I would have been, when I was 21 years old, I absolutely had not heard one thing about homosexuality. And yet today, it's the most popular and the most deadly sin in America right now. And now then it's getting so widespread that the preachers, a bunch of them, uh, are beginning to say, well, uh, after all, a man could love a man. Not with a Christ-like love, he couldn't. I mean, so far as that kind of sin is concerned. I realize there have been weddings performed. There have been men, and they've exchanged rings on their ring fingers, and some little old so-called religious leader jumped up there and said to some man, will you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? Brother, that's a sign that Jesus is soon coming. I never dreamed. Listen, that's one of the battles we fight with our boys now in our boys' home. We've taken boys from your area right here that were prostitutes of their own dad. I mean, for years. And, and the little boys, and listen, there's 18 people that's already been murdered in one prison that I know about. It came out on the front page because when these hardened criminals looked like they were going to lose uh, uh, their little old boy prostitute, and you can ask anybody. I'm working in the prisons all the time. You ask anybody in the jail or the prison, what is the biggest thing that you have to face? He said it's homosexuality and the very attack of dirty, filthy men. I got another letter from my friend. His name is Cecil. I'll not call his last name. He said, Brother Olaf, I've been beaten up again. I'm black and blue. I've got knots on my head. He said, I'm still fighting them off. And I got another letter the same day from a boy. He said, Brother Olaf, I know it sounds bad, but I never take a bath. Never. I stay in the jail. I'm as dirty as a hog. He said, that's the best way in the world to keep them off of me. Listen, the prisons today are nothing but homosexual hot spots. Dirty, damnable, and listen, you'd be surprised to know today the filth, and you'd be surprised to know the homosexuals that are under this tent right now. 
and trying to condone it and endorse it and prove that it's all right, it's all wrong. Listen to me. If God burned up two cities over that dirty sin, he'll burn you up one of these days because of yours. Now, you might as well face it. I know you go to the psychiatrist and you say, well, I don't want to live like that, and I know it's abnormal, and I went to the psychiatrist. I know what he told you. He said, well, it's just one of those things. You've got to live with it. Daddy brought his big old 21-year-old boy to me in Tampa, Florida, and he said, Brother Olaf, here he is. Here he is. And he said, I've just been to the psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist looked at me and shrugged his shoulders and said, well, there's nothing unusual about that. I mean, it's just one of those things. I mean, he's going to have to live with it the rest of his life. He's a daddy desperate. He said, you mean I've got to just uh, not, not any hope for him? He said he's tried to commit suicide. His mind's going bad on him, and uh, he's upset, and he can't sleep at night. And you tell me there's no remedy for it. psychiatrist said, so far as I'm concerned, there's no remedy for it. Let me tell you something, dear friends. We're facing the end time. And you might as well look up. Don't you make any long-range plans around here because we're going in one of these days pretty soon. I believe the coming of the Lord absolutely draws near. I mean, soon the Savior's going to come. And I tell you, God's people are the deadest. I mean, we've gone to sleep at the switch and we're not concerned about it. We have no conviction for sin like we used to have and revival tides have gone out and the revival fires have burned down to cold ashes and souls are going to hell in droves without a solid protest from our churches today. The wages of sin. You say, Brother Olaf, you mean homosexuality is a sin? Of course it's a sin. It's the end time Bible sin talked about. What happened to Lot? When Lot uh, was down there in Sodom and the angels came down, a bunch of men came from heaven. When they came down, what happened to them? Just go ahead and read it in the Bible. I'll tell you what happened to them. In the first place, they didn't want to go in Lot's house. They didn't mind going to visit Uncle Abraham up in the hills. He had a good time. He was all set for him. He had heaven on his mind. Wasn't too big a surprise Uncle Abraham. He said, my, just another load of angels coming in, honey. My, it's good to see you. Come on. They said, where's Sarah's? Well, she'd sit in the tent where she always is. Churning some fresh butter, got some buttermilk, and she's fixing a meal. We'll all have a good time. I mean, Abraham didn't get excited. He didn't have to run through the house, throw out the bridge card, turn off the television set, you know, and try to clean up a little bit. Brother, he just praised God, said, God cut me from heaven. If I was an angel, I wouldn't go in a lot of y'all's homes. I'm just a preacher, you know, and I, I, I kind of dread going in some of them every once in a while. God have mercy on us, dear friends. I tell you, and so you know what happened? Angels came, and that day, that night, that night, that bunch of Sodomites came out there. You know what they said? Bring them out. Bring them out. What do you want with them? We want to know them. We want to know them. You know what that means. You know what the Bible says about a man in the Old Testament he got married, or in the New Testament either one, and said after he got married he knew his wife. You know what that means, don't you? It means a little child's on the way. Not bunch of Sodomites said, you bring those men out, we want to know them. We're going to know them. You know what Lot said? You don't have to doubt about it. He said, listen, I've got some girls in here, my little precious daughters, and they've never known a man, and I'll just urge them to come right out the door, and you can take them down the street, do with them as you please. And brother, if heaven hadn't undertaken, they said, we don't want your daughters. We want those men. And strange as it may seem, boys, when the man gets hooked on that abnormal sin, that end-time sin that burns cities off the face of the map and sent old Lot a scurrying off to a cave. 
I said, just as surely as you get hooked on that sin, you lose your appetite for the normal. And they said, no, sir. And I tell you, God came to the rescue, and I'm saying, the wages of sin is death, and I'm going to tell you what the, what the sin is and what the death is. It's death to your mind. You'll never be normal. As long as you live in that kind of abnormal sin and life, you're never going to be normal mentally. There's something that'll snap, and God says, I'll give you up to a reprobate mind because you wouldn't retain. And I'll give you up to unclean learning, to unclean loving, vile affections. That's what he calls it. The wages of sin is still dead. But oh, let me close the message and say something real sweet tonight. No matter how big you've been sinning, no matter how deep you've gone, Oh, listen, dear friends, sin is the malignancy. It's contagious. And I want to give you three things about sin real quickly. Sin blinds. That's the reason a man can begin to flirt and run around and, and take off with somebody else. He'll go blind every time. I've been talking to people in this city this week almost till midnight every night, and, 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 and they're, they're trying to take up for their sin. They're going to say, well, Brother Wolf, I really, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with it. That's right. I tell you, when you get talking like that, you just put a period after see, I don't see. You're blind. You're blind. You hear people say, well, Brother Wolf, I don't feel that it says anything. Put a period after feel. You've lost your spiritual feeling. And so uh, it blinds. The Bible said if a if, if, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded. Blinded, blind. When Balaam was going down the road, you think he saw that angel with a drawn sword? No, he couldn't see. Why? He's going the wrong direction. He, he was disobedient to God. He was in sin. He was a preacher, but he couldn't see. Listen, that old flop-eared donkey could see better than he could. Might as well face it. I mean, the old donkey saw that man with a drawn sword, and brother, you talk about turning sideways. He really did. And, but Balaam couldn't see. Why? Sin will blind you. We got a lot of people, and I tell you one of the reasons, and I'm going to say this, one of the reasons you folks are going to miss the blessing in this meeting, you're not coming long enough to get defrosted. I mean, you're not coming enough to get a, some of you get under conviction, won't come back for three or four nights and get over it, you see. Man, you know, a lot of you leave the tent and say, well, I've had it. I mean, I'm not going to let anybody holler at me like that anymore. I mean, I'm, he, he's not going to tear up my little playhouse. I tell you, your little playhouse is going to tear up itself one of these days. It'll cave in on you. Just go ahead, smart aleck. You just go ahead and hang on that filth you hanging on. I'll tell you one thing. If you've ever been saved by the grace of God, you've never had a happy moment since you got off away from God. Never have. I know you've been drinking these little muddy streams of pleasure and you think you want to get all these little gadgets and trinkets and you want to show out and you want to be like the Jones and the Smiths and the neighbors and you want to be this and be that. and be. But I'll tell you one thing. You haven't had a lick of joy since you got like that. You've lost your song, I'll guarantee you've hung your harp on the willow tree and you've sat down to weep and a lot of you are nervous and upset and fretful and can't get along with your own husband and wife. i tell you why. You're out of the will of God tonight. Oh, you can blame it on everything in town, but it's just the devil and sin that saps the joy of your life. And when your joy is gone, your strength is gone. When your strength is gone, down you go. And in sin, you'll be defeated. No way to overcome no way to overcome except to have his victory. I said it'll blind you. It's blinding. I want to say something else. It's binding. Or oh, it'll bind you. It'll bind you. I'm going to give you one illustration in just a minute. It'll bind you. 
The third thing, it'll do it'll grind you. You ever heard anybody say, well, I'm still in the old grind. <laughs> you know, same old grind. You must be living in sin. Man, there's no grind to God's will. Man, he lubricates as you go. And to me, praise is God's lubrication system. You praise the Lord enough. The devil don't want to be around if you're praising the Lord. Of course, if you're complaining, talking about how bad you feel, you know, and what a hard time you're having, the devil likes that. That's the flesh. You know, little uh, Richard could have got up here tonight and said, well, I just don't understand why the Lord made me like this. I just don't understand why God gave all y'all two feet and two legs, didn't even give me one. I just don't understand how God could be just, and I don't have a finger, not a finger. I don't have a hand. I don't have, oh yeah, he could got up here. Now, wouldn't that have been great? Praise God, he soared above his handicaps and got in the heavenlies and sang and played and made some of you so ashamed, me too. Guarantee if I had my life to live over, I'd be playing something besides the radio. <laughs> oh, I can barely play a Victrola. I tell you, I'll guarantee you, I'd quit riding yearlings and all that kind of stuff and shooting so many marbles and playing dominoes, and I'd be in there somewhere learning to play. But you little old boys and girls, I tell you, too lazy, you don't want to practice. Your mom would have been trying to give you music. You ought to be ashamed. Every one of you ought to be a musician. I mean, you could learn to play the piano. Got some of my little old grandchildren here tonight, little old Janine sitting over there. Uh, Janine. Uh, I want you to be a pianist. I want you to learn to play the piano. And little old boys ought to learn to play the piano and, and take music and, and ought to learn to sing. I tell you, it's one of the finest of the fine arts, make music to God. Now, I'm not talking about worldly music. Listen, I'd never play a classical piece of music. I, I don't care a thing about it. I haven't got time. I mean, my time's all taken. And brother, if you haven't got something to make me better spiritually, just keep it to yourself. I'm not interested in any kind of music except gospel music, and it's got to be the right kind. I don't want anything that's going to take up my time unless it's going to help me to be a better Christian and more like the blessed Savior. All right, it blinds, it binds, and it grinds. You say, where'd you get that? What about Mr. Samson? Oh, Samson's strongest man ever lived, boys. You little old fellas still look good on the front seat, too. Bless your heart. I tell you, ooh, I used to think, man, I'd like to be like Samson. Now I was weighed 80 pounds for three years. Couldn't get up or under. I tell you... I thought I'd never grow up. I tell you, old Edel got big, you know, and all them old neighbor boys got big, and old Jesse Lee and others had run over me, you know, and just kicked me around and pushed me around. I thought, you wait till I, you know, I'll get like Samson. I'd wish I was Samson. I'd tear your hide off of you. See? I guarantee you, I, all the thing I could do is just hit old Edel and outrun him to my father. And if I didn't outrun him, I mean sausage was me. I tell you. But, you know, uh, Samson, Samson was a strong man. But dear friends, he went down. You know why he went down? He laid his head in the lap of a worldly woman. He lusted and he sinned and he disobeyed his mother and dad. He disrespected their wishes and their desires for him, just like a lot of you kids are today. And you're going down. And you know what happened when old uh, Delilah, you remember when she stole his power? You know what she did? She punched his eyeballs out. I'll guarantee you, punched his old eyes out. Blood ran down and fell off his chin. He couldn't see anything. They hooked him up to the mill, and he was grinding because he was blind, and they, 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 he, was, he was bound. And so they put him in there, and he was going around uh, that old mill of the devil and old Delilah. You know where she is? 
Oh, I know he probably sat with old blinded eyes and pain-filled head and his old body was weak and there was grinding at the mill. That's a picture of sin for you. That's where you're heading if you're living in sin. The devil's going to blind you and bind you and grind you, every last one of us. You know what I'm talking about. Look at the people we got at the city refuge tonight. The devil has ground them down to nothing. No clothes, no wife, no children, no health, no money, no nothing. They're out of everything. Now then, where's Delilah? Why, well, I can tell you where she is, Samson. She's up at the big dance they're pulling. They're celebrating your downfall, son. They're having a shindig, brother. I'll guarantee you, she, she didn't love you. So, old sorry woman, she didn't care a thing about you. She wanted to steal your power, and she turns you over to the people, the enemies of God. But I got good news for you, and I wish I could close with this. Samson, oh, Samson remembered those old flabby muscles, his old body torn to pieces with pain. And Samson said, oh God, if I could just feel the quiver and the thrill of the power once more. You know, Samson didn't say, Lord, I wish you'd give me my eyes back. He said, I want my power back. Now I'll tell you one thing, preacher brother, hear me tonight. If you've ever had the power of God in your life, and you lose it. There's just one thing you need back and want back, and that's the power of God. I know of no earthly thing tonight that I want except the power of God in my life. Day by day, dear friend, day by day. Let's keep everything quiet under the tent, real quiet while I close this message. If there's ever a baby that starts crying during the invitation, uh, do your best, honey, because we've got to get sinners saved tonight. We're operating on the spiritual brain and heart of the people, and we can have no racket because a sinner had rather listen to a distraction than an attraction from heaven. And so mothers, help us real good, and I'll appreciate it, and I know poor old sinners will get saved. You'll never find Brother Olaf fussing at a little baby because it cries under the tent. Nobody knows what hurts sometimes. But I got to caution my crowd, and because this old tent's failed tonight, we need to do our best. We're going down that last little trail now toward home, and sinners are fixing to say yes to God or no to God right now in the next five minutes of this service. And our Samson is, oh God, I want my power back. And you know what he did? He got a little boy and he said, son, lead me up to where they're having their big celebration of my downfall. The little boy said, all right. He took his old feeble hand. He said, son, if you will, put it around the pillars. Put it around the pillars. I want to hug those old pillars. Brother, if you want the power of God, you better hug some pillars. You better hug the pillar and ground of the truth, the word of God. He put his old arm and he said, Lord, one more time. Don't make any difference if it caves down on me. I got to have the power. Brother, those old muscles began to quiver with that original power. The Spirit of God came on poor old bloody-faced Samson one more time. He pulled those pillars out from under that bunch of reckless, deadly, damnable crowd upstairs, and they fell to their death. Brother, God gave him his power back. God will give you your power back tonight. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I hear thy welcome voice.
that calls me, Lord, to Thee, for cleansing in Thy precious blood that flowed on Calvary. I'm coming, Lord, I'm coming now to Thee. Wash me, cleanse me in the blood that flowed on Calvary. I'm coming, Lord, when? I'm coming right now to Thee. That's God's time, right now. That's God's time. That's salvation time. That's heaven's time. Bow your heads while we pray. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knbbc.com for Christian music you can trust.